an ironic media production. Visit us at ironickmedia.com. Hey, y'all, I'm Bevan. And I'm Brittany. Welcome to Be My Neighbor. Our neighborly duties are to provide real-life solutions and practices that elevate and inspire, but also remind us to not take it all too seriously. We're real-life neighbors that quickly learn that you simply cannot do it on your own, living in a competitive and fast-paced environment like New York City. Each week, we invite you into the apartment along with our metaphorical and literal neighbors to share advice on how we get through this thing called life. We don't just share the sugar. We serve up the real tea. From navigating relationships to building a career, we want you to recognize and embrace the best version of you. We want you to know that your crazy is okay. And that you're definitely not alone. Our door is always open. And we want you to know, we've We've got got your back. back. cities for various TV segments can mentally wear you down after a while. But whenever I know I'm coming to Chicago to Windy City Live, a smile instantly hits my face. And that's because of this incredible woman. Val Warner is a true Chicago fixture known as the Emmy award-winning host of Windy City Live, ABC7 Chicago's popular afternoon talk and entertainment show that airs weekdays. Her effervescence on air radiates across the screen, but also makes every guest feel at home in the studio. But she also goes beyond the fluff and she's not afraid to tackle the harder topics like race, bullying, domestic violence and body image with her guests. Val, we are so honored to have you on with us today. I'm so excited. I know Bevan, who hasn't met you yet, has heard about you for years and years well, now. Let me tell you, first of all, Bevan, so nice to meet you. You too. Britt, it is so good to be back here with you, seeing you this way. And the feeling is mutual because wasn't there a day not long ago? Well, everything is long ago now. <laughs> I was going to be off. And then I found out you were coming in and we had a segment with you. And I was like, oh, I cannot miss Brit. So I got to come in that day. Do you remember that? I do. I was like, what? No, you're like, please take the day off. But it's also <laughs> like we get a chance to catch up with each other. But that I can't even tell you, you from the first time I ever came to your show. You were just that person that lights up the screen and made me feel so at ease so instantly. And I was like, oh my God, I just, I want to be like you. And I want to, I do. I'm like, she said that multiple times. This isn't just for this moment. I'm I'm not even (laughs) bullshitting. I'm telling you the truth that I have always said how incredible you've been. And then we've now, you know, fostered that connection and become friends through, through work, which is so cool and so nice. So is it is don't you isn't it really nice when things happen like that like when you meet people and there's a connection and you're giving me all kind of accolades and I appreciate that and I'm so grateful for that but I love connecting with people it's just something that I love to do that comes natural I've been this way my whole life and so you know when I first got Wendy City like look I'm already answering questions I don't even know if you have some questions for me but when I first got the gig I was a journalist, you know, I went to school for broadcast journalism. I was an anchor and then I became a traffic reporter when I moved to Chicago. And when I got an entertainment talk show gig, they kept saying, oh, just don't change, just be yourself. And I was like, who else am I going to be? Right. (laughs) I don't know how else to be other than me. (laughs) You can't do anything but be yourself. And that's one of the things Brittany's always spoken about and something that I've seen and watching you over the years too, is that you just come straight in with this incredible warm authenticity, which is just something that can't be taught. But on that note, can you give us the Cliff Notes version of how you got 
to Windy City Live. Be- oh, can I call you Bev? Yes, or- please. Yeah. You can call me right. Bev B. B, Bev. <laughs> Listen, girl, let me tell you, I don't know how to tell the Cliff Notes version, but I am going to make my first attempt right now. I got to Chicago in 2005. It was a traffic reporter, morning anchor for WGN. Fast forward to 2011, Oprah Winfrey, retiring after 25 years, ABC Local in Chicago decided to do local programming in the time slot here in Chicago where she aired at 9 a.m. It was out in the press. It was out in the media. People knew about it. They were recruiting and auditioning and seeking people out and flying people in and out from all around the country. Meanwhile, little old me driving into work from the suburbs, doing my job, not thinking anything ever about being a talk show host because I came up in the school of journalism where you give the facts, you don't give your opinion, you let folks, you know, make their own decisions. Until one day I was coming back from Lake Geneva and I got a phone call from an old friend, an old agent, actually. It was someone from his office that said, someone from ABC7 local called you and asked you, would you be interested in auditioning for Windy City Live? I really didn't know much about it at the time. So fast forward, I did a little digging. I went to my current bosses at that time at WGM because I didn't feel comfortable going into another station in the market because you guys know how people talk and and I was under contract and I didn't want, I wanted everything to be up and up. I got permission from that news director, Greg Caputo, granted me permission to audition. I went through rigorous auditions. And by that, I mean, I auditioned with probably every male that they picked or thought about picking for Windy City Live. Then they called me back about a week or two later and said, can you audition for a couple more days? And that was my audition with Ryan Cheverini. And fast forward after that, I was eating a Chipotle burrito in my car, <laughs> leaving work. And I got a call from the station number. And I thought, okay, this looks familiar. Mid mouthful of burrito. It was the general manager, Emily Barr, who said, Val Warner. I was like, yeah, hey, how are you? So, well, you know, we would like to offer you the job as the host, uh, co-host of Windy City Live. And literally I was like, you have no idea what's happening right now. I'm eating a burrito. This is the best news ever. Thank you so much. But guys, I mean, I'm telling you, you could not have paid me or told me that this would be my trajectory. You just could not have because... I don't, and I know this is going to sound crazy now, consider myself a very opinionated person. Or if I do, I keep my opinions to myself. I really grew into this role as host of Windy City Live, and it has made me more comfortable. It's made me more confident in being able to voice my opinions. There are still some days where I'm hesitant because I may feel one way, but I know the audience may not rock with me or, you know, I'm always... yeah. You guys know how it is. It's hard, especially in this day and age of social media, when people can hop on their computers or their phones and attack you for what you say or, you know, at any given moment. So it's been it's been a transition. Yeah, I lost it on a guy the other day on social media because he posted something rude on Britney's Instagram. It took everything in me to not say the most hateful thing I could think of to hurt his feelings. And I pulled back and I was like, okay. But you know what? That's a good girlfriend, Brit. Oh, I was ready to find him. We are. Yeah. It's loyal to a T loyal to a T. I mean, that's why you and I like, that's why we work together because we are those people. And it's also about all the relationships and Bevan. I mean, her relationships throughout years and years of being in the media industry, one tree Hill, all that stuff. Like that's why she got so far where she was too. So I appreciate that. And I was like, listen, 
Listen, let's, and normally it's her telling me. Normally, it's I just like, basically oh. said if you hide behind a computer screen, it is a clear indicator of your personal insecurities and possible self hatred. And I said, I want to pray for you and I hope you do better. Oh, that's great. That's a very good reply. That's better than what I do. When people <laughs> go in on Ryan, oh no. I bet you guys have a similar relationship. But do you find it really hard, especially in the current situation, to find that line between being really honest and open about how you feel and also not offending people, maybe politically, because you have to be available to the masses. That's my life. That's it's a constant like struggle with my inner self. Okay. Do you say how you truly feel or do you kind of toe the line? Cause you don't want to offend people. Yeah. That's tough. That's the part of the job that, you know, now almost 10 years ago, that was like, that makes me uncomfortable. But I will say as the times go on, I do feel a little bit more emboldened every single day, every single show, you know, I get a little bit more comfortable now. I think I can, say how I feel for the most part. I think I do have that platform and that voice and people know me and they know where it's coming from. So I feel a little bit more comfortable in doing that, especially, you know, you guys know how tense things have been with not only just living through a pandemic, but just the whole Black Lives Matter movement and speaking out on that and, you know, helping folks and new allies realize what we as Black folks have been knowing for years and years and years. And now there's an awakening for everyone. And that's been tough to navigate, but it, I have been the most vocal and most honest, even in that. Well, yeah. I mean, on that note, we were also wondering like, what has your experience been like in as a black woman in media? And like, do you ever feel like you've been pushed up against a wall or maybe made to feel uncomfortable or in any of those situations? You know, I don't have that story. That okay. You- people have. I I really don't, but I understand it. And I have friends that have had it. I will say this. Have I ever been the only black person in a newsroom? Yes. You know, up until probably Flint, Michigan was the first job where there were other people that looked like me in the newsroom. That's insane. Oh yeah. Oh, it's not insane, but it is insane. But it is. Yeah. It's not, but it is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, wow. And so you do tend to like, have your little corner and your little sidebar conversations because you can be yourself and you can relax. And sometimes, you know what, now that I think about it, I did have an awkward work situation. I don't know that it was racially, racially driven in Flint, Michigan, but there were times when I felt really alone and really isolated in that newsroom. The station actually hired a black female news director and the tide shifted. Before that, it was a white man. And actually, no, now that I I talk about it and I think about it, and I, again, I'm always trying to give people the benefit of the doubt. Could this have been a racial thing? Nice like that. (laughs) Yeah. Could this have been a racial thing? I don't know, but I'll just tell you this story. I always wanted to cut my hair short into a pixie style. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So when I was, um, let's see, my daughter's 17. She'll be 18 in August. Zoe, who's going to Howard. Yes, HBCU experience through her. I had a news director, white guy, and I had asked him when I first moved to Flint, could I cut my hair? Oh, no, 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 no. You can't cut your hair because when you're in news, you kind of have to ask those questions. And I thought, okay, but why not? But I didn't push it. Fast forward, I'm on maternity leave with Zoe and I get a call from the general manager that that news director left and they were bringing in this woman that I'm referring to. 
she wanted to meet me. I brought my baby on maternity leave and she knew I was coming back and whatnot. So before we left the restaurant, I think it was like a Chili's or something we were at in Flint. I go, can I ask you something? And she, she said, yes. I said, do you mind if I cut my hair? She said, I don't care. And I thought, what? It was so free. And I cut my hair and wore pixie for up until two years ago. So for 15 years, I wore my hair short. But she gave me the power to do me and to be me mm-hmm. versus the other news director who did not. Yeah. It took her to change that. Yeah. I'm glad that she came on. I'm really I am too. glad. Plus, plus, you're the only one of the only people I know that could pull off a pixie cut. I was like, just thinking, I just only. slowly started to think about myself with a pixie cut midway through the conversation. I was like, this chin is not built for that. Oh, <laughs> you tried once. You guys, please. I don't even want to hear that. That is no. so not true. But you know, my hair inspiration and idol was like Holly Berry. Like, I had so many pictures of Holly Berry when she was wearing her pixie in my phone. So many. And then I would stalk Tamron Hall. Mm. Oh, yeah. She was oh, she's of pixie stunning. Chicago. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, I want my hair. Because I was in Flint, Michigan at the time. So I'm like idolizing and looking up to these women. And she had the pixie. I was like, I want that so bad. And I wore it, Britain, for years. I A just- long time. Without. I know you're, I love, I just, that, some of my favorite stories of yours is when you're experimenting and coming out with your hair. I'm like, Oh my God, how could she keep pulling off all these amazing looks? It's not fair. I swear. I, I go a different color. People in my family's like, Oh, this is terrible. Please never change again. Oh, I get that too. Trust okay. me. I okay. But you know what? I think, I don't know if this is like a cultural thing, but I swear black women are so expressive when it comes to their hair. Yes. Because we do, we will try any and everything. And and I think it's just easily and more widely accepted. Just like you said, Brit, your family will be like, what are you doing? Meanwhile, like girlfriends will be like, oh, where you get that done? I want that too. I love it. I but that kind of leads it. me to this uber confidence that you have. And this is, I think, a personal question for me <laughs> specifically. Is, you know, I'm kind of in one of these spaces where I'm feeling like a little less than like my most confident, my, my best self. And you're someone who literally, you just exude so much confidence and strength and, and vulnerability too, and like compassion. And I just, I think especially with the confidence, I look at you and I'm like, where did that come from for you? Have you always been this way? Yeah. <laughs> giving me too much credit. You need to come in here and see me when I'm crying in the garage because something is going wrong because I'm so sensitive and I'm not as confident as you think I am. But thank you. You know what? I don't know if it was a little bit about my upbringing. You know, I, I my parents you know, loved and nurtured and poured into me. I was raised in the church. I like, you know, and when you're raised in the church by that, my my father was a minister. My mother was a Sunday school teacher. So I was always there. And it's an extended family that's always encouraging you and lifting you up and true community. Yeah. A community, a bigger community. So maybe that has something to do with it, but it's just something I, I try to, live by this. And this is something that I try to pass along to my daughter. I don't want to live by other people's approval. Like I want to be happy with myself and I want to look in the mirror and feel that way and toot my own horn. Like I don't want it necessarily to come from others. I don't want that validation from others. And unfortunately we live in this world of, you know, social media where 
we live by the likes and who's liking us. And so especially for her coming up, you know, I'm trying to like, okay, just, but you have to be confident. You have to look in the mirror and be happy, but, but it's still a process. I mean, even for me, thank you for saying that and saying I have all of that, but there are moments where I am insecure too. You know, this is the first summer. One of my biggest insecurities are my thighs. Like I have heavy thighs. It's not that I'm insecure about the size of them. It's just that I just want no cellulite. What woman doesn't want no cellulite, right? But I've let it cripple me to the point where I won't wear certain kind of shorts because I'm embarrassed of my legs. This was the first summer that I'm like, you know what? You're 46. You had two kids. You work out all the time. It's not going anywhere. As much as you work out, you should be solid as a rock. And it just is what it is. So, and everybody has it. Everybody, everybody has it. Why do I feel like mine is worse than everybody else's? <laughs> nope. That, but again, so while I may exude all this confidence, and yes, I do have it, there's still moments of definite insecurity where I go, you know, up and down. But the, even then, if I start to see myself going down, I'm like, uh uh-uh. uh, nope, what are we gonna do about it? Okay, you're not going to get a shake tonight. You're going to go work out in the morning. Bet. Okay, that's what we're going to do. So I do a lot of talking to myself. Yeah, that's what I yeah. wanted to know. Like, I wanted to know that real in process of like, what is the conversation like? It's okay. And oh. you take you take actions, right? You said not a shake tonight. We'll work out in the morning. Little actions well, no, to make you. if you do a you- shake tonight, then work out Oh, in the got it. Right, right. Either way. I've done both. At the beginning of the quarantine, it was more like what Britt was saying. Have the shake. But I was not working out. I had slipped into like, mm, I don't want to work out. I don't feel like it. Like I didn't feel like doing anything at the beginning of the shelter in place. And it wasn't until just here in the last two or three weeks, where I'm like, this is not you. You like, and when I work out, I do feel better. I feel more confident, Bev, to your point. I feel better about myself. So it's, it's about striking that balance. You guys, if you could give me the formula on consistency, then I'll really be winning because I'm not consistent. Yeah. I mean, we're all trying to tackle that. Yeah. I think everybody's in that mindset. And we all have different but. things we're consistent about and not consistent about. So like I'm super consistent about physical activity, but I'm not super consistent with a lot of other things in my life. <laughs> like what? Like what are you not consistent about? I said I was not going to have red wine tonight. <laughs> and here she I told am. me. She told me. She said, Brittany, I am. This is my night. We're doing this late with Val. You know, I am. I know. It's going to be my my sober night. You said you work out like crazy. You teach soul cycle class. Like you are fit. You're in shape. That's good for your heart. <laughs> Thank yes. you. Now, this is the kind of friend I need. Yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely going to pump you up. I'm good. I'm like a good wing woman. I'm a good wing woman for like Ryan loves to like go places with me because he's like, yeah, yeah. I'm literally like a dude in a girl's body. So wait a moment. I'm a good girlfriend because I'm there. Like I'm super, super loyal. I'm going to give you honesty, but I'm going to give it with a lot of soft compassion. But mm. at the end there is going to be the truth. And you won't even know it because you'll be like, yeah, you're right. And it's all truth, but you're going to feel good about it. And then I'm going to say, if you want it, get it. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't, this is weird. I could laugh with you all, all night, but I know, but I cannot let you go without asking and touching upon the day that I opened Instagram mm-hmm. and watched you share with the world that you experienced domestic abuse and are a survivor. And 
the both of us, we watched it today. I've watched it a few times and can't imagine how hard it must have been for you to come forward with your story and speak your truth, but also know how many people you impacted by just speaking out about it. So, and we know right now also why we wanted to touch upon this too, is that domestic abuse cases have risen with everyone under quarantine. So we just wanted to ask you, you know, what made you decide to finally come forward? I had a producer who knew, like most of my staff knew some of my background, not the intimate details, she and I have done a lot of pieces together. And she said, you know, a domestic violence awareness month was coming up. She was like, you should share your story. And I'm like, ah, no, like I, I divulge a lot about me, but some things, you know, like I'm good. I don't want to do that. And she said, just think about it. And I went back and forth and it has been some years now, a lot of years that has gone by and I'm in a really good place in my life. So I thought, okay, I'll do it. And they said, it's 30 seconds. Like I had all these parameters, right? Okay, just 30 seconds. I just want to open up the show. I just, that's it. Like, you know, we just have to stick to this. There were a lot of steps that we had to go through. And by that, I mean, some of the things that I had, because I wanted to write it down first. I didn't know how it would come off if I just ad-libbed it or just spoke from the heart. That legally probably would not have been the best thing. So once I did put it on paper, then there were things that the lawyers had to look at and, you know, make sure that that. I could say this or that. And then I started getting nervous again. I'm like, this is why, this is why, this is why I don't want to talk about this. Cause I don't want to, first of all, I don't want everybody to know at work or lawyers are in my business. Number two, I have kids. So yeah, you know, I'm, I'm always thinking about how this could or couldn't affect them. So that kept me for a long time, right. From actually talking about it. And I just didn't want to relive some of the memories. So I had kind of buried it. So the day of that we taped that, we had to tape it like before the show. The day of us taping it, it was still a lot of back and forth. And I'm just like, I'm drained right now because now I physically had to go get all the police reports and go get the court documents and the order protections and had to bring them into work to like prove that I'm not just making up crazy stories about me having, you know, OPs or whatnot. Wow. And so when we got in the studio, I literally, I looked at the camera and I was like, oh my God, I cannot believe that. And I froze, like I froze for a lot of seconds. And I just kept like trying to get myself together because when I started thinking about it, because again, I never want to really think about it. Who wants to think about anything that bad happens in their life? You tend to kind of bury it. But once I started thinking about it and reliving it and even like thinking about how I got out and how I am now, it just made me really, really tear up. Like, like I'm trying not to go right now because you know, I got to yes. go dinner. Yes. But- <laughs> yes. Do not tear up. I ruined that beautiful makeup. Do not. So when, when you think about what I went through and how I got out of it and how I've thrived since it is like for me by the grace of God, because there were times where I was like, I felt like I would never be happy, never be free. Thus, you know, you always hear me, you see all my hashtags free, free, free. I even started my t-shirt line free. Like I just wanted to be free. I didn't want to live under that. And it started off as, verbal abuse. And then it slowly started getting into the physical realm. Thank God, not anything 
where, you know, some women who obviously never come out of it or end up in the hospital. It wasn't that, but I recognized the signs. And I also saw it in my home growing up as a child. So I knew as an adult and as a mother, I did not want to duplicate that or replicate that in my life for my daughter. I wanted to show my daughter what it's like to be in a happy home, even if that means it's a single mom home. You know, a lot of people feel like, oh, well, I'll stay together to keep it a family. And it was, you know, it was tough. It was tough. I mean, I was getting up, going to work at three o'clock in the morning before Windy City Live and, you know, with a a brand new baby, a 10 month old son and a five year old daughter just trying to like figure out my life and navigate things. And, you know, I'm even like low key hesitant even talking about it now because even after all of these years, and I haven't said anything, I'm very picky, but I'm like, I haven't said anything, but I still deal with things and repercussions from what I went through that, you know, I'm just like, it's a never ending, you know, struggle. If that makes sense. I hope I answered that. Yes, no, it makes total sense. So after doing it, and after seeing it, and I've never received so many comments, and, and Brett, I'm sure you can relate to this with what you've recently in right. a different way. Yeah. Different way. But yeah. the bottom line, the, the similarity is and the commonality is that somebody went through that. Yes. Somebody yes. Went, you went through, somebody went through what I went through. And when people see and look at someone on TV and they see, and they see one thing every day, like you said, right. oh, you're so charming. You're so confident. You're so happy. And you exude all of this stuff. But then they see, oh, shoot, that happened to her. And she's like, like, it really helped a lot of people. And I knew in the back of my mind, that's what the producers were saying, that it's going to help people out. It's going to help people. And I kept trying to think about that to like get me to actually do it. Mm -hmm. And so in the end, I I am glad. And I just pray and hope that no one lives a life that they really don't want to or deserve. I know circumstances for some women stay because they don't have anywhere to go or they don't have the money you know, they're financially dependent. And there's a lot of reasons why they say, but it's just when you become free, it's nothing like it. What would you say to someone who, if they're listening right now and they may be in a similar situation and you could give them, you know, a little bit of advice, what would you say? You know what I would say? And this is the only thing I can think of right now is that you will figure it out. You may not have all the answers right now. You may be thinking, oh, no, I have to because I don't, you know, I don't know what the next two, three weeks, four months, whatever looks like. But once you take that first step, all the other steps just kind of line up. Will it be easy? Absolutely not. Will it be some struggles? Will it be some hardships some transitions? Yes, yes, yes. But as long as you put your safety first and if there are kids involved, their safety first in the end, the cloud will pass. It will pass. I promise you, it will. And just, you will see what the other side looks like, hopefully, you know. Well, thank you, Val. I mean, just being that example and showing so many women that you have made it to the other side and that life can go on. I mean, right. But it's just, possible. I mean, it's right. not every case. I can't speak for everything, sure. but at least I can let people know that it is possible. And I'm not, you know, like people, my close friends and family who know the the details, they, they understand. I was just talking to my cousin the other day, other day, and she goes, people have no idea 
like what your struggle was, like really, really not good. They have a glimpse, mm-hmm. but like, you know, the fact that you're where you are now, yeah, you've been through a lot. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it takes somebody else to be like, hello. Yeah, we talk about this all the time, how it takes so much for us to stop and look at, you know, how far we've come and, and what we've been through and how we've gotten to the other side. And I think that's one of those things, though, that like immediately when I talk about your confidence, you can see that it's rooted in work and like someone who has, you know, pulled themselves up and walked through it and stood out on the other side. And I think that's why you're so appealing. (laughs) It's the Val Warner effect. I know. I'm literally like charming you over here. I'll go out with you. Courting you. Oh, we will. We no, no, we will. no, no, no. He might not like that. <laughs> okay. Last question. I know every time we meet up in Chicago, we always talk about the different classes we're doing, what we're eating. And it honestly makes my day to see all of your workouts and to see you just going through it in the park, whether you're at core yoga, the classes. I just, I think it's, it's so great to see. And you inspire me to get off my ass and to get to the gym. Oh, please, and- you're already probably at the gym. No, I- no. <laughs> she is. No, I'm, I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> My videos while she's like lunging and doing yoga. She's crunching. She's crunching. Yeah, she's crunching with those <laughs> four abs. I know. And Guys, you know- I'm always working on that pelvic floor. Okay, <laughs> always working on it. Always we stay on there. I swear. Yeah. Have to always. So no one knows what I'm real, doing real. on a plane. You know what I mean? <laughs> so. <laughs> But I just, I wanted, we wanted to know what your current routine is like right now. What are you doing, you know, in this quarantine? That's like the running joke, because at work on Windy City Live, I am known to try something new every Monday. I was just talking to my mom a couple of days ago. I have really found one of my passions in my older years, I would think, and that is fitness. I'm really big into it and I like everything, but you asked me, what am I doing right now? I just came off of a seven day challenge with former Chicago bear, Izzy Adonage, and he has a new boutique gym and a relatively new boutique gym here in the South Loop. It's called Restore. And he came on the show to promote the, the gym and some other projects he's working on. And he mentioned it in passing. And I go, wait, tell me more. And immediately Ryan starts making fun of me. He's like, oh, yeah, she'll try this Monday, Izzy. And then she'll be off of it and on to the next thing. But at least I don't stop. Like, I am willing to try everything. Britt and I have done yoga together, which I absolutely love hot yoga. I love weight training. I love walking, not running so much anymore. I have done two half marathons. I've kind of lost my love for that, but I just like moving and I like the way it makes me feel. So right now I'm just trying to do every day, some fasted cardio, at least in the morning, Mm -hmm. right? If I can squeeze in another workout, I'm winning. Two a day's? Well, the seven day challenge, it was three. It was a fasted cardio, a 10 a.m. and an 8 p.m. The 10 a.m. was endurance for 60 minutes and the 8 p.m. was weight strength training for 60 minutes. So it was two and a half hours for seven days. It took me out 
It took me out. It was fun though. They have them every other week. So I'm going to do the next one next week. I, I mean, I get it. I'm addicted to fitness. So it's the way I socialize. That's really what I like to do. But that 8 p.m. is a hard pass for me. <laughs> Isn't it bad? I'm, I'm in bed. This is the latest She's, I've been up in months. Well, I'm revving up, you know, while I'm like really starting my day at so 8 you like, to, you like to work out at night? I try to pick and choose. I try to get it done in the beginning of the day just so mm-hmm. I have it off of my mind. Right. But lately, for some reason, during this time, I've been working out with Ryan at like 6 p.m., 6.30, where we would never be like working out together ever, you know, yeah. and having like a partner has helped me, pushed me because he's very motivated all the time to like really get there. And I'm Doesn't just like- that make a difference though when you do have an accountability partner? I've been, I've reconnected with my, she's my trainer. She's like- okay been her down through the years, but lately we've just been kind of working out as girlfriends, but it has made such a difference to have an accountability, like a real accountability partner yeah, where, yes. you know, because when you're like, uh, then that person picks you up and vice versa. And it's, it's really been paying off because when I look at my app on my phone, I'm like, you've worked out all these days in a row when the first couple months of the quarantine, it was like no workout days, but I love I the idea that. that you switch it up so much too. Cause for me that like that keeps it interesting and fun is, is to make it entertaining and light. And I feel like so often people take it. So, I mean, it's so fun to do a seven day challenge, right? That's, that's crazy like that. It's fun. Seven days, right. You could do anything for seven days. Yeah. And yes. then you go back to like some days it is just a walk and some days it is, you know, 10 squats. Yeah. Like I do cycling. I do. I don't know that there's much that I will not do again. I'm done pretty much with the running. I'll do walk jogs, but yeah, no, I like it all. And and if you're someone like me who gets bored easily, and that's why I change my hair so much, why my workout routines change a lot because I like I need something new to keep me going and challenge me. How how do you yeah. stay motivated? That's the one question I have for you, and then we promise we'll let you go. That's a that's a really good question. Why is that such a good question? I don't know how I keep my motivation. <laughs> I guess maybe I look in the mirror and then I see something I don't like. So then I'm like, okay, it's not going to go away on its own. You got to work at it. Like you said, I have a I've always had an incredible work ethic, if I must say so myself. But I don't mind. Like I don't mind working. I like in college. I worked three jobs, and yeah. you know, when I was in Topeka, Kansas, as a morning anchor, I literally had four jobs at one point, only for two weeks. I was a morning anchor. I worked at Swan's Bridal. I sold jewelry and I worked at Victoria's Secret. And I was the leading salesperson for credit cards. Makes sense. Really makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) That was a period on the end of that. (laughs) Val, this has been, you, we could all really like talk all night. I know we could. And again, we just can't thank you enough for coming on with us. You guys are airing weekdays on Windy City Live right now. Yep. At one o'clock on ABC seven here in Chicago. Amazing. Well, Thank we love you. you. I feel like, I mean, I know I was your guest and it was supposed to be about, but I feel like I dominated the whole conversation. Like no, more. no, not no, at all. Oh my not God. at all. You, all the pieces. I'm like writing down all of the great sage <laughs> words that you've said throughout <laughs> this. And now gonna, you know, I just feel we all feel very inspired by you. Really. Thank you for coming thank on. We've been so much. You know how, when you do these right in interviews, you always, when you get done, I know you guys got to do this. Help me feel better about this. You always play it back. Like, Oh yeah. Me the right thing. What did I say? Did I talk too much? I'm I'll like, probably call Brittany after this and be like, she, did I talk too much? I feel like I was, I was a little creepy at how much I really like her. Was it? No, 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 no. Okay. So let's promise each other that we will not second guess ourselves after tonight. 
I'm with you on Let's that. Let's do that. It's as packed. Women, don't you feel like too, as women, we tend to do that more than men. Like men don't second guess anything. It seems like they just go with it. They like, just go and no, move on. They don't even, they, yeah, they just move on and they're like, oh, I'm sorry that I said that. Pfft, didn't even realize I said that. No idea. Yeah. <laughs> so no. true. We won't second guess ourselves. Packed. We will go All forward hands and I cannot. Yes. <laughs> if anyone can see us right now, we just made a pact and Val's going to go to her dinner okay. and I'm going to go eat some dinner. <laughs> and yes. we and love what, you. Bev, are you getting ready to work out? No, it's too late. No, Bev's, have, Bev's enjoying her glass <laughs> of wine right now. Okay. But she's going to be at it. What time in the morning? Probably 10. <laughs> yeah, I'm, it's, a, it's a late start because I'm not teaching right now. I have this luxury of getting myself ready, having coffee, journaling, meditating, and then settling into the workout, which is the whole new practice. Okay, We're well, on I'm going to do that too. See, I love to learn from others and adopt different things too. So thank you, ladies, for giving me this time and inviting me and having me on. I appreciate you guys. Thank, thank you, you thank so you much. Val. 